Sabrina. Hello, Corinne. Howdy doody. How does it go? It goes well because I'm here with you and we're going to talk ghosts. Yes, we are. And weird paranormal stuff. And that's the best. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And I really liked your howdy doody. Howdy doody. It's a fun flair. Who says that? There's someone who says that. I feel like it's like a cartoon. You. No, I, I ripped it from someone. I mean, obviously it was a <laughs> saying. I didn't just make it up. No, I know that. Who says it? I mean, this is one of those instances where everyone's yelling at us and saying it, but we can't hear them because they're not with us at this moment. Apparently, appar- apparently it's a... Apparently. Apparently, I've never been on live television before. Apparently, <laughs> it's a children's show from the 1940s that ran through 1960. There's some character, and now I'm starting to think it might be... The neighbor Ned from uh, The Simpsons, who says it. I think maybe that's why I know it. You have so much knowledge in your brain about the most random s- specific thing. <laughs> and it bewilders me every time. Well, I wish I could be on one of those trivia shows, except it wouldn't help me at all. Because I never know what they're at. Like, I don't have real <laughs> applicable, usable trivia. If I go to a trivia bar night, I don't know anything. Like, literally nothing. Especially when they're like, here are faces of people, identify their names. I'm so bad mm. at, at getting people's names. I could tell you like the show that they were in, what they were wearing when they were interviewed. You can, like recognize them. But yeah, I cannot mm-hmm. tell you their name. Yeah, I'm not good at that stuff. I feel like I only have space in my brain for like ghosts, serial killers, psychology, weird conspiracies. Yeah, if we got to go to like a, a murder trivia night. Oh, we'd be so good at it. Cryptozoology trivia night. Yeah, that would be our shining moment. Wait, that's a good idea. And Nick, during COVID, has been like putting together trivias throughout the time. Then occasionally someone will like take a swing at it and make their own. I'm going to make my own, but it's going to be this time. Everyone else is going to do really terribly it's instead of me doing really terribly because it's all about serial it's killers. It's totally rigged because no one else in the group has <laughs> any knowledge of what we talk about. I don't know. Maybe this will just put, but it works for us. Put here. our friends under the magnifying glass for uh, not listening. <laughs> they wouldn't beat us in trivia. Although, honestly, if there were if there were trivia, if there were like two girls, one ghost trivia, you and I would not do well because we don't remember. We would do so the terribly of what we talk about. We don't remember episodes. We people are like, remember that story? My mom does it all the time because she's she's about three episodes behind in listening. So from mm-hmm. three weeks ago, she'll she'll reference things. You know that listener story you read? And I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. None. <laughs> this is new to me. I'm hearing it for the first time right now. That's how Nick's mom is, That she too. brings stuff up and you're like, I, I don't know. All the time. She'll bring stuff up as if like we're having a conversation. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? She goes, you know that thing that you said on the podcast? And I was like, what thing that I said on the podcast? She goes, the thing that I just said that you said on the podcast. And I was like, I don't know what thing you said that I said that I said on the podcast. <laughs> it's all too much Uh, we say so many words i feel like the most amount of words i say a week is with you though oh same i think i have more conversations with you and longer conversations with you than i do nick and i live we're we're responsible for the majority the majority of our word count is from the podcast like weekly word count 100 (laughs) percent. so how are we expected to remember it we can't we just and we don't need to because i feel like Anytime we're looking for something, someone else remembers it. We just have to all depend on each other, right? Like, it's a group effort here. Yeah, it's group this effort. It's a group project. It even happened to me this week when I was researching this episode. I could have sworn we had covered the New Jersey Devil Didn't before. Didn't we? Sworn it. I was like, 
And, well, but that's the thing. And I was like looking up and we have an Excel. So we keep track of like everything that we've done research on. And I was like, Google, I was doing like the find control, find trying to figure out where we did it. And I couldn't find it for the life of me. And then I Googled it and Google knew better than our own records. So we did cover it in episode okay, eight. Because I also, when you texted me and you're like, have we done the New Jersey devil? I, number one, you covered it, but I was like, yes, I covered it. I remember that. And then I was in the podcast. I was in Apple podcast typing in Jer- Jersey devil to see it like come up in a description, but technically our description, I don't think included it. So I don't know how the heck Google knows. It did. I, I searched um, two girls, one ghost, the Jersey devil, and it came up in episode eight. What the heck? I don't know what's wrong. Well, clearly it didn't want us to find it for a while. But we did it. It was a glitch. How timely is our glitch? How timely. We experience glitches all the time. I told you, I still think about this, that in the past I've I've totally like blamed roommates or thought that I was sleepwalking or someone I lived with was sleepwalking because things would like move and be used and just Mm -hmm. odd things. And now I really, now that I live alone and the same thing is kind of happening still, I truly think it's small glitches, just small things that are out of place. There's no other explanation. I'm trying to think. I mean, I offered you another explanation, but you refuse to believe it. And I think it's because you're scared. I think that there's possibly a ghost following you (sighs) who really likes your skincare routine and is using your lotion. To put water in my water pick that was like dry and empty. That's a weird move. I understand an open really helpful. But there was no it was like the water pick was it had condensation. It like wasn't filled. But it was as if someone had like used it and then dumped out the water and then immediately just like recapped it without letting the air, the water dry out of the container. Mm, I don't mm. know. These are just odd things. Little glitches. Little glitches. Maybe it's you in another universe living in the same apartment. I'm, I'm very curious what, what our podcast is like in other dimensions. Is it better? I hope not. <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't we get that energy? I don't know. But honestly, I kind of hope that, I hope it is. You know, I hope, I hope the other phantoms and other dimensions also get like a nicer cleaner i don't know i don't want to be the top i want to live comfortable maybe we're somewhere middle ground we're average we are average we're very average and i'm okay with that i've accepted it i don't want to be the best because then there's so much pressure you know yeah and then also like where do you go and then when people are like how do you do it and you're like i don't freaking know i don't know i don't want to talk about it (laughs) i don't want people (laughs) to ask me like leave me be i also like i i can't remember where i read this but i read a story about how like there was some celebrity, some musician or something who like the best he ever felt was like the moment he stepped onto the stage and and like performed in front of like thousands mm-hmm. of people. After that, like after stepping off stage, he like didn't know what to do with himself because like that feeling was like undescribable and he couldn't replicate oh, God. it. Whereas you and I stepped in front of dozens of people only and <laughs> wanted yes, to throw up. Absolute like it's shocking that there was not a panic attack because the before of being in front of people. Oh my God. No. I'm so like the the opposite of what a Leo. I feel like half the time, you know, when people are like, oh, you're so your sign. I like am, but mm-hmm. I'm not because I'm very much like my, the classic Leo thing is that you want all the attention on you. And that is like my fear. I don't want people to be looking at me. Like when, if I'm in a room and I'm just talking and the attention turns on me because of what I'm saying, that's fine. If I'm, you know, commanding a crowd, whatever. <laughs> But to be placed purposefully for everybody to like have a task, have the to do to look at me, that's petrifying. (laughs) And I don't know how you were such a great theater kid, Sabrina, because I think you nail it whenever you're on stage. 
So do you. Are you kidding? No. I also think I black out. I get possessed. <laughs> Remember when we were That's in New York truth. and you chugged so much water on stage? Because I couldn't stop. I didn't know what else to do you with literally- my <laughs> I, took I wish your water. there was like someone filming the whole thing where it's just like in between every word you're just chucking water. <laughs> uh, man, it's the equivalent of like you being like I don't know what to do with my hands. Yes, that's true. My answer was just like just drink just water. Drink water. <laughs> Shocking that you didn't have to pee. I feel Stay like hydrated. Would- yeah, the demons were thirsty. Uh, okay. Well, uh, okay. We we're talking about glitches because that is our topic for this week so time glitches time warps time travel it's just a general wrinkle whatever that be whatever it may be because there are many that i you know i haven't really experienced any myself have you i mean maybe the well what you were just talking about i did tell you I, i've already said this but it was when i was in high school i went to the movies with my friend abby Oh, yeah. right. And then, like, had text, text with her, made plans on who was driving, who was picking people up, and the text just, like, had never happened. But, like, I had read the text to my mom and everything, so I had them at one point. And they disappeared. Yes. Yeah. I had, I guess I had a similar experience in college that I've also said on the podcast where Lexi, my roommate at the time, had texted me something very scary and ominous. Yes. And then you came over very quickly afterwards and saved my my dorm. <laughs> I'm just curious about Sage. I'm not sure if I'm, I mean, I know I'm using it right, but am I not using it frequently enough? Because I've never fully gone through a bundle. I still have every single Sage stick that I've ever been like gifted ever. I've never, and I usually just use one at a, just one. And I've never made it through. I end up gifting them to other people now. But I just have never gotten through it. Do you not use the whole bundle? What do you do? Well, because you you light the tip on fire. Maybe it's just I live in right. such a small space that when I do it, it's like, it <laughs> just takes me like two minutes. So, <laughs> or it's a glitch and you think you're doing it, but actually you're not. It's the, it, you know, how in um, Halloween Town, how the Grandma Cromwell, how she has that magical purse that she can keep pulling everything out of. I feel like I have the best purse ever. The sage stick that never stops saging, <laughs> it just goes on forever. That's a gift that keeps on giving. But I feel like I've never jumped through any time loops or like you know the ones that really freak me out are the driving ones yes we're driving and you all of a sudden are only like actually two miles away but it took you two hours to get there right and there are actual reports from like officials and people that are piloting planes and ships who there are like log books of people's time and it's not just like an individual driver like we have actual Mm -hmm. official reports out there where it's unexplained how a plane traveling from the Caribbean to Florida or whatever got there in 20 minutes instead of two hours. It's pretty wild. Yeah. I haven't watched Manifest all the way through on, um, I want to say it's ABC. I can't. It's the one where like the plane mm. takes off and then lands, but they think it was like only a five hour flight, but it actually was like five years had passed. That to me, I feel like th- the answer has to be time warp or something, right? It's gotta be. I don't know either. Unless it's like Unless now I'm thinking about interstellar and you know how when they're on different planets, the time is different. Like when they're on that planet where all the waves mm. are coming towards them, that's like a minute, mm-hmm. like seven years or something ridiculously long. And what if it's like that where they entered some sort of like sticky zone, like maybe blipped sticky. into another. I like calling it sticky. A sticky zone. Yeah. Where it's just like they entered it and it slowed them down so much. But to them, it was just a minute passing 
Well, in reality, it was like a month of time passing. Corinne, maybe you do have a reason that you don't like wet sand. It's because it's the equivalent to a time warp. And in a past life, you got stuck in one. And that's why you have a fear of it. Or I just died of like quicksand. Remember when you were a little kid and you were like always fearful of quicksand? It just was ne- like, where is quicksand? I haven't come across it. I have not either, but it's in a lot of movies. And I feel like it's also now a time warp. <gasps> what if when you do fall into quicksand, you fall into another dimension? That's I was we, I, we were right on the same brainwave <laughs> right there. Because I was like, what if this is their warning? They're trying to tell us to avoid something that would like actually give us knowledge of of the world and the universe. Although don't, oh, please fine. don't. Let's go find some. <laughs> I was just going to say, but like, disclaimer, <laughs> dangerous. Don't actually go jump into quicksand just to Do see. Do not try this at home. Yeah, don't. This is, we're just okay. speculating. Well, speaking of home, my home state of New Jersey, I ventured to a place that I have been taught from a very, very young age to fear. And it is the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. And... I can't remember when I first heard about heard about it, but I'm I just remember always hearing of like Pine Barrens and being like, that's a place you don't go. And I don't know, maybe it's because of Weird New Jersey and I like read those stories and like all those stories end up happening in Pine Barrens. But it is also the place where the famed Jersey Devil has been seen wreaking havoc. The Pine Barrens are also not unfamiliar with time glitches and portals to other dimensions. It's basically the twilight zone of New Jersey, or I came to a conclusion while I was researching that this area is actually the Bridgewater Triangle, sometimes called the kidney bean of Massachusetts. Only by us, though. <laughs> Only by it's us. not officially um, called that. Of New Jersey, because there's so many weird things that have happened in the Pine Barrens. And I looked at it, and it's it's actually like a massive area. I think it's like 1.1 million acres of land. Um, and... When you look at it on a map, it looks like a sea turtle. So I'm now calling it the New Jersey Pine Barren Sea Turtle Triangle. And that's how I will refer to it that's by name. name. <laughs> it's a long name. How many characters and, is that? Uh, Can you tweet that? Is that within the limit? <laughs> New Jersey Pine Barren Sea Turtle Triangle. Say that 10 times fast. I can't even. I don't even remember the order of words you just said. <laughs> Before I talk about the triangle, I'll talk about the Pine Barrens as they are on themselves. They are also called the Pinelands or the Pines, and it's the largest of its kind and stretches across seven New Jersey counties. It's consisting of 1.1 million acres of land that has remained mostly rural and mostly undisturbed. And in 1978, Congress declared it the very first national reserve to preserve its ecology. And the land is a bit dodgy. Settlers tried and failed to grow crops within the pines. And the soil is often called sugar soil because it's just like not fertile. Oh my gosh, it's quicksand. I bet there is quicksand on Pine Barrens because it has There everything. probably is. And I don't want to go find it because Pine Barrens I will avoid forever. I don't know why, but every time you say Pine Barrens, I think Bates Motel. Like it's giving me that sort of vibe. Oh, it for sure does because it is like super isolated. And there are people who live kind of in the deep, deep, pines but they are kind of alone and so no one really knows that they're there it is Ooh, creepy and scary. that is creepy though pine smells so good and it's the largest of its kind it's like the largest pine barren forest wow i think in the country yeah well something we'll never world. get to see i've driven through it you have or on the borders of it because it's i mean it's massive it's like the whole southern part of new jersey so okay of course as I've you like driven by and through as you continue to read i'm going to 
to Google this so that I can see how and large confirm it, it looks like a sea turtle. Pine Barrens. The head is at the bottom Jersey. of it, but this one is haunted. So in addition to all the paranormal chaos going on in the Barrens, there's some very interesting diverse plant life happening, and it's home to at least 850 species of plants, and 92 of them are considered threatened or endangered, so that's why there's this preservation of the land. The area was first inhabited 10,000 years ago by the ancestors of the Lenape natives, and then in the 1600s, the English, Dutch, and Swedish explored and settled in what is now known as New Jersey, and by the 1700s, the first settlements were built in the Pine Barrens. And so, basically, the settlers came to the Pine Barrens because it had a lot of trees, and like they thought that they could reuse them for their own, mm-hmm. not reuse them, basically cut them down and use them for their own right. selfish desires. Yes. Um, but the land proved infertile for growing crops, so instead the settlers capitalized on more industrial enterprises like sawmills, grist mills, and charcoal and iron operations. And they popped up within the Pine Barrens. There were like so many small towns. People were flooding there for work with the construction of the railroad. And it became a booming industry until all of a sudden it wasn't. And I couldn't really find the specific reason for why all of the industry just like fell to ruins. Mm. But it did. And I think it was probably like there were cheaper ways to do it or cheaper places to get it. So we're just like, buy Pine Barrens. But regardless of why, the Pine Barrens lost its sparkle and the towns pretty much all became ghost towns. And basically any town that was ever created within the Pine Barrens had been reclaimed by the Pine Barrens. And there are eerie, decrepit remnants of the villages and workspaces throughout the forestry terrain. And it like kind of looks like it swallowed them up. Ooh. And since then, the Pine Barrens has been home to many a legend and spooky tale. The New Jersey Devil is the most infamous. And then there are so many ghostly apparitions that haunt the forest. It also has become the most popular and favorite place for the mob to dump bodies. Oh, God. (laughs) What? I know. So, you know the show Sopranos. I mean, how do you not? Yes. Though I admittedly have not. I have not seen all of it either. Nick and I tried. We, We are working through it very slowly. But it was featured on the show The Sopranos. There's like an episode, I think, in season five called The Pine Barrens. From 2000 to 2003, the bodies of two unidentified men were discovered beheaded and two women were discovered dismembered. And then there were eight more remains discovered, believed to be the victims of the serial killer, the Butcher of Manorville. That will be on our trivia. So please remember it. The Butcher of Manorville. Mm -hmm. But that's only three years worth of like of how many bodies they found in three years. Yeah. Ooh, I sure as heck hope those people were were dead before any of that dismembering happened. I hope so, Although too. Although the beheading but... makes me think differently. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also hard to know if the men are connected to the women or like who, because the beheading does sound very mob-like. I don't know. I don't know what either. I, know mob? I <laughs> don't have any connections or ties that I know of. So I think I have connections, but I'm not going to say them out loud. Okay. Don't. And my brother's girlfriend's uncle was, like, this massive mobster in Boston. (gasps) Really? He's no longer with us. His name was, like, Frank something. I can't remember. Interesting. I know. Like, how do you get in it? How do you get in it? And, like, how is there... And there's no getting out of it. And with the amount of, like, lawlessness involved in what they're doing, there seems to be so much order. So I feel like from a leadership... I mean, granted, I know that there's a lot of, like... Fear instilled, but I'm just very curious to, to see <laughs> yes, like all fear and tactics that are used and like how people are so, I don't know, how they're organized. I think if you stay in line and do as you're told, then 
then you will uh, be okay. But you're probably told to do some shady stuff. So I don't know how morally okay you'll be. I would not. I would be the don't recruit me because I would be the worst because I faint (laughs) even hearing about blood. So there's no chance in hell I'd ever I would. No, I'd be the worst. Yeah, I don't think they'll recruit you. I think you're okay. Thanks. (laughs) Okay, another really exciting. Well, not exciting. I'm sorry. This is my morbid curiosity getting at me. But the Pine Barrens is also believed to be the place that Robert Durst buried his wife who has never been found. Oh, my God. Ooh, I think about him every single time. This is the right guy, right? The um, every single time I see Beverly Hills written out, I always think of him because he misspelled. Oh, because his writing, yeah. He misspelled Beverly, and that's essentially how he was caught. Yeah. I'm thinking of the right person, right? It's the guy. Yes, yes. It's the guy in the Jinx who. Yes. They like, at, they ended the series with him like kind of confessing on. Eek! Because he had an, he added know an extra happened. E to Beverly. Yes. Or was it, I thought he was missing one, but maybe you're. He added an extra one. Okay, see, I fail at our own trivia, so. (laughs) This is new trivia. The new trivia is, what did Sabrina think the spelling of Robert Durst's Beverly was? Oh, that's a good one. So it's like, it's not just the right answer. You have to know what you We'll do multiple choice. This is going to be really hard trivia. I'm already going to (laughs) forget. Okay. And so then, as if things weren't already like weird enough and creepy enough in the Pine Barrens, something else happened. A group of researchers created a portal that allowed them to time travel. And so that's why I chose this topic, because not only does it include time travel, but it also includes a possible government cover up and a conspiracy that I feel like you are going to be here for. Okay. I mean, you don't have a choice, but everyone else listening. (laughs) I'm here. Okay. So within the Pine Barrens is there's this town that is now a ghost town and it's called Ong's Hat. And it's named after one of the earliest pine settlers, Jacob Ong. And he had a very nice silk hat. And this is just a fun story about how the town got its name. But basically, Jacob was a slick, suave, and smooth. And the ladies loved him. And the ladies' mothers loved him. But he wasn't great at monogamy. And so one evening, a lover saw him canoodling with another lover that she had not been informed existed. And she stormed up to Jacob, grabbed his hat, threw it on the floor, and stomped on it over and over with her heels, utterly destroying his infamous moniker. And so legend says that Jacob was so distraught over his destroyed hat that he picked it up and solemnly went outside into the fresh air and threw it up into the air, and it landed on a high branch of a pine tree and never came down. And so the town was then therefore known as Ong's Hat. But with time, like every other Pine Barren town, it was left behind and abandoned and over time fell into disrepair, leaving behind piles of rubble and overground foundations. And even now when you go there, you can see like foundations like growing, like shrubbery growing around the foundations and like there's like lots of debris. Anyway, so Ong's hat was left like that until 1978 when a man who spent his life traveling and learning philosophies and spiritual practices from all over the Eastern world returned home to New Jersey. His name was Wally Fard. And Wally decided to spend his life savings on 200 acres in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. That property existed on what used to be Ong's Hat. And so he moved onto the property and invited a group of friends to join him on his path of continuing to study the world's diverse beliefs and practices. He basically like believed that there was like so much more to the world than met the eye and based on these practices and spiritual philosophies and religions that he had studied from his travels he thought that there's a way to access those i mean i agree with yes same 
This is what we talk about all the time. So Corinne would move into his compound. <laughs> I would. Do you need an herbalist? Because I'm looking to learn. <laughs> so upon setting up a home base, Wally and his fellow travelers posted newsletters in the nearby area proclaiming their beliefs and inviting others to join what he was calling the Moorish Science Ashram. And at the same time, there were these twin brothers, Frank and Althea Dobbs, who were working towards their PhDs with a series of equations that they called cognitive chaos. And they were at Princeton University at this time, and they presented their PhD or their thesis to Princeton. And Princeton basically laughed in their face and was like, everything you just said is completely outrageous and implausible. And they were kicked out of Princeton. And the Dobbs twins were like super upset and like frustrated because they were like, our equations are groundbreaking. They promote the idea that people can tap into the unused portion of our brains and do things such as stop aging, purge diseases, and access like places that we can't currently fathom exist. And to them, they thought the possibilities were limitless, but Princeton kicked them out. So they felt a little bit at odds and they didn't really know what to do, but they were used to their ideas being mocked because, and while you might join the Moorish society, Corinne, this is what I would want to join because (laughs) the Dobbs twin brothers grew up among a UFO worshiping cult that was founded by their father. And I am desperately trying to join but I don't know what it's called. So you don't know about it? You just know that it exists, so you want to be a part of it? It's a UFO worshiping cult. Yes, I want to join it. Do I need to know much more? (laughs) Uh, I have work questions, but I guess you don't need any (laughs) more. I mean, I'll ask questions before I sign. What did you say about their father? He He started the cult. So they grew up in a UFO worshiping cult. So they're used to like their ideas being mocked, is what I'm basically saying. Okay. And then their father, we know where he is? We know. No, no idea. That's that's what I need to figure out. Maybe he was abducted by aliens. Maybe he was abducted by aliens. Yes. Classic like journey to the center of the earth type scenario. Or what Mm -hmm. if he himself is an alien and his kids are these twins are Mm -hmm. star seeds and they were (gasps) meant to be raised and like go out and give the the answers to everyone. I mean, here's another reason that I want to be a part of the cult, because that sounds amazing. I want to be part of that. I want to be firsthand given knowledge. And also when you hear the rest of the story, you will also want to be part of that cult because what the Dobbs twin brothers did is incredible. So anyway, they're used to like everyone mocking their ideas and they're like, Princeton kicked us out. But all hope was not lost because one afternoon they came across one of Wally Fard's newsletters and light bulbs practically sprouted at the top of their heads. And the Dobbs twins thought that this was the perfect opportunity to continue their work regardless of what Princeton said. So the two of them buddied up with Wally and the Ashram group and moved into the Pine Barrens to continue their research. And together they formed the Institute of Chaos Studies which operated out of the property in the Pines, and the group thrived living in uh, these, like, weathered gray shacks and Airstream trailers, and they had recycled chicken coops and mail-order yurts. I don't know what those are necessarily, mail-order yurts that just, like, come in the mail. Maybe it was just, yeah, manufactured by humans. I don't know. I imagine, like, you know, the the big trucks that have, like, oversized loads, and they're just, like, little, like, houses that travel on the back of the truck, I imagine yeah. it's like that, that they just drop off into into a place that has like no roads. So I don't know how I got there. But anyway, as they basically lived in this compound 
And they just spent every day doing experiments and they grew increasingly bizarre. And it was basically all an effort to train the powers of the mind to manipulate the quantum underpinnings of reality itself, which sounds too smart for me to understand. But so basically, for three years, they researched and proposed theories and did these trials. Most of the trials consisted of experimenting with sex, drugs, and other mind-manipulating elixirs. And while they were doing all of this, they had people hooked up to computers to chart their brain waves to see, you know, what parts of the brain were being used and if there, certain things activated other parts of the brain that we technically don't have access to using. And after three years, they had a major epiphany and were like, oh my gosh, we struck gold. Our research methods aren't crazy. And they created a device that they called the gate or the egg, which is a pod that could actually pierce the veil between parallel universes, enabling travel to other dimensions. Okay, sign me up. I'm down. Right? And so... They finally tested, I think they were, they tested multiple versions of the egg. And on the fourth trial of the egg, it was tested and activated by this tester. So like they're all kind of standing around and one guy is testing it and he activates it. And all of a sudden the tester and the device went poof, disappeared. One minute they were there, the next they were just gone, vanished until moments later. So everyone's standing there like shocked. How, where, what happened? What, where did they go? And then moments later, both the man and the egg reappeared and everyone was just gobsmacked. What the hell did they just witness? And they ran to the man who tested the machine and he was as in much shock as they were, if not more, because he didn't just vanish. He traveled to another dimension. So apparently, as the story goes, when he vanished, he was sent into a dimension next door to ours and it looked very similar to ours but was different because humankind did not exist there. It was a dimension basically void of humanity. Interesting. I'm trying to picture it and I'm like, is it, does it look exactly like us just without humans and buildings? And how did he know? Like, how long was he there? That I do not know the answer to, but basically humankind did not exist. So I imagine that probably like it was untouched. I'm imagining there were a lot of creatures or like animals which makes me think that maybe it's the dimension that Bigfoot and possibly the New Jersey Devil time Ooh. traveled from. And that's the dimension next door to ours isn't about humans. It's about cryptids. Yeah, I think as much as traveling into different dimensions is exciting, the thought that the dimensions can be so significantly different in terms of what is actually living there. I was thinking more of like, you know, certain events don't happen or or what have you. But mm -hmm. to go somewhere where you just like basically have no knowledge of what these creatures are, unless you're us. <laughs> and you have to evaluate like what is predator. Like you can't just freely walk around. That's terrifying. It's Jurassic Park. Yeah. Except for it's not a park. It's the whole world. It's Jurassic World. <laughs> There's one of those too. That's true. But even that is supposed to be a park. True. But yeah. There are no rules and you're probably in a lot of danger. But turns out they were also in danger in this universe because, or in this dimension, because shortly after this like major breakthrough, there was a chemical spill that occurred and began leaking nuclear material into the area in the Pine Barrens that they were located at, which makes me wonder if the spill happened before the test and maybe that spill helped the activation of opening of the portal, like that combined with the egg. I don't know. I'm Maybe I'm thinking too much about the show Dark, but... The dark is now my reality that I live in. 
So basically, due to the chemical spill, the members of the Institute of Chaos were forced out of the area, and the government, like, forced them to leave, as it's reported. But this group didn't want to leave, and they thought Ong's hat location was the key to their studies. So instead of moving, and so this is where things kind of become legend, and you're not really sure what happened. So it's said that instead of moving, they actually all transported to the other dimension, leaving the portal to this world open for when they wanted to return. And that there's now, they're basically living in the other dimension. Or did. I don't know how old they are or where where they are now. Because there's no record of them ever coming back. There's no record of them post this time. But then there's also a conspiracy that this is actually a big, massive government cover-up. And there was actually a much, much darker, tragic end to this story. And so there are some that believe that the group was never ordered to evacuate, but the government caught wind of their experiments and of the opening of the portal and stormed the compound in Ong's hat and brutally murdered the seven members of the group in order to put an end to it or keep it a secret because they didn't want it to be opened up to the world. Which, I don't know, doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. No, I mean, there are a lot of people who go missing after speaking out or finding something significant that doesn't want to be found. The others don't want to be found. Yeah. History has proven that this has happened. Yes. Time and time again. And the only reason we have this story today is thanks to a man named Joseph Matheny who wrote the book Ong's Hat, The Beginning. And he discovered documents from the original study in the early 90s and basically published a book about it and like wrote all that he could find about this study in this like opening of the portal. But... It's just really hard to tell like what's true and what's not true because no one really knows what happened to this group or where they are now or like did they disappear or like was it a government cover up. And so, so many argue that his book is a work of fiction and Matheny has kind of gone back and forth. He stated that it's not a work of fiction, but then people think the government got to him and then he said it is fiction. It's all made up. And since publishing the book. People have, like, shown up to his house demanding to know the secret of time travel. And, like, alternately government officials show up demanding that he say it's a work of fiction. But it's, like, so it's just become this, like, controversy that no one really knows the truth of because Matheny was put in this, like, tough position where it's, like, he said both things now at this point. So some truly believe it's fiction and others are, like, no, the government's silencing him. He's not allowed to talk about it or they'll they'll kill him the way that they killed the group. Yeah, so, this is a confusing a confusing situation and I'm not really sure where to take a stance because me just working through it I'm thinking like okay, well if he started out by saying this is true, this is not a work of fiction and then suddenly switches gears. That makes me think that it is true because mm-hmm. if it wasn't true, like there are no government officials going and knocking on the on the filmmakers of the Blair Witch Project saying like, you said this was real and now everyone believes in the Blair Witch. Like it's people figure it out for themselves and it's just like fun and people get to do whatever. But for him to suddenly make that change and make that switch and what he's saying the piece to be makes me think that there was someone telling him that he needs to say that it's fake. And why say it's fake? Like just, just let people think that it's, Let them think whatever. Most people are not going to believe it to begin with. Yeah. So similarly, I am in the same place as you. And then there are so many debates about it on Reddit. And actually, kind of right when the book came out, it became this like massive online internet kind of 
it, it reminds me of like the early Reddit, before Reddit existed. People flocked to the internet and created what was called Ong's Hat Project and became an internet conspiracy game. And people basically dedicated their lives to finding the portal and getting to the bottom of the ability to time travel and open the gateway or get through the portal to the other dimension. And these people who were investing their time into figuring out the truth started having very similar dreams and like nightmares. And they basically would start messaging about it in the group. And then like people would flock to it and be like, oh my gosh, I'm having the same exact dream. Like people from all over the world were basically having sharing dreams, having shared dream experiences. They were having unusual visual perceptions and they would notice shifts in their reality. So like basically just by seeking the portal, they were starting to have these like shifts in reality, like maybe glitches happening in their lives. Anyway, no one knows for sure where the gateway is, but it is said that there is a door to another dimension in Ong's hat, but it is near impossible to locate. And many who do end up doing it by accident and then go missing. So there are stories of people who have tried and failed to locate it, but then there are also some missing person cases in the Pine Barrens near Ong's Hat that have made some question whether or not that person accidentally stumbled upon the door and traveled into the next dimension, which honestly, if the Institute of Chaos is still around in that other dimension, that sounds like a sweet gig to land into. That freaking does. Also, I just found on Amazon that you can get Ong's Hat at the Beginning by Joseph Matheny. Is that who you said? Uh-huh. It, you can get the audiobook or Kindle for free and oh. then paperback 20 bucks. So you bet your ass I'm going to freaking read this. Free on Audible? Free on Audible <sighs> and free on Kindle Unlimited. Otherwise, $4. Okay. Well, that's great to know. Good thing I have a few little tokens on my Audible. I've been behind. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. That sounds pretty, pretty well. That's It's scary. It's almost reminding me, remember in the uh, Bennington Triangle, which it's funny that you're comparing this to like Bridgewater and Bennington Triangle. But remember in Bennington Triangle when there's that like traveling stone that you never know where it is. And if you step on it, you basically mm-hmm. like disappear. You get shoved into a yeah. different dimension. It's reminding me a bit of this. Like people go looking for it. And then what they find is unknown because they just don't come back. Right. Or the people who are looking for it never find it. And the people who aren't looking for it accidentally stumble into it and don't know what they stumbled into, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know where it is or what's happening in the Pine Barrens, but I know that the Pine Barrens are ridiculously haunted and there are planes that have crashed there. People who have disappeared. So many bodies have been found and there are lots of creatures and ghosts lurking around in the foresty terrain. And I know that this episode is about time travel and glitches and portals and whatever, but I can't not not mention... I can't not. Yeah, I can't not mention the other spooky legend legends and hauntings of the Pine Barrens because there are so many. So I'm just going to give them honorable mentions and I'll keep them brief. But there's New Jersey Devil who's like, he's basically the, I don't know, the jock of the Pine Barrens. He's yeah. a popular kid. Everyone knows about him. People are kind of scared of him. He is a ho- isn't the hockey team? Isn't that the name of the hockey team? Or one of the sports teams? Yeah, he's got his own hockey team. He's got, yeah, he's... <laughs> He's cool. But he's also kind of scary. And we discussed him all the way back in episode eight or her. I don't know. We It's like weird. No one really knows what the Jer- Jersey Devil is. But it has garnered a deep following in southern New Jersey and Philadelphia areas due to the sightings. And some people think that it is similar to Bigfoot and the Yeti. So that is why I connected it to like maybe those all exist in the other dimension. And they just like popped on through. But then there's the ghost of the golden haired girl who is technically the white lady of the Pine Barrens. And turns out 
She's the New Jersey Devil's girlfriend. Wait, wait, sorry. What's her name again? The golden haired girl. The golden haired girl. But she's always seen in like a long white gown. But yeah, she's uh, the Jersey Devil's girlfriend because legend says that the Jersey Devil, the original, the OG Jersey Devil had a son who was like half human, half devil. And he fell in love with a really rich human girl. And like Romeo and Juliet, their families didn't agree. And so her family took her away from the Jersey Devil lover. And she in turn died by suicide. And her ghost returned to her lover. And so now she follows him wherever he goes. And so oftentimes when people see the New Jersey Devil, they'll also see this golden haired girl kind of like standing at a distance behind him, which I kind of think is sweet. She's supporting her lover and his job. So that's so interesting. (laughs) At first, I was totally thinking like dragon tamer. But yeah, if there's that backstory, then I guess it is this interesting love story. This is this is Shrek. This is Shrek. (laughs) That is where Shrek was inspired. It is also said that the pirate Captain Kidd buried many of his treasures throughout the Pine Barrens, and it is said that his spirit has been seen wandering the areas, making sure his treasure is protected, and many have apparently seen him walking around headless. I don't know why, but I feel like it's the ghost version of Topless, and he just walks around with his head in his hand. There is a spirit of a black dog, And I feel like a lot of people who see the black dog are scared of it because they think that it's, you know, a bad omen. But based on the history, people believe that this is a very sweet, sad story because apparently back in the day, pirates attacked a ship coming inland and killed the crew, including a cabin boy and his black dog. So it's believed that the black dog is the spirit of the dog sadly killed on the ship looking for his human companion. My heart, it's broken. I know. I know. But there are so many more paranormal entities and spirits in the Pine Barrens. I mean, 1.1 million acres of land encompasses quite a lot of New Jersey. There's a ghost of a doctor, a white stag, and then there's a pine witch and wizard who were like a couple who were said to have cursed the land and now haunt it. And all I will say is that I will forever avoid the Pine Barrens because it's the new triangle and not the good pyramid scheme kind. It's the New Jersey Pine Barrens sea turtle triangle kind. (laughs) But if you do happen to find the portal to the next dimension, please tell us because that sounds that that's what the one reason I would go is if someone found it and then we could go check it out. Not only is it just a portal, but like this story is it's portal, but then also apparently they had like when you were talking about the egg shape, like that's some sort of they figured out a way to open it. Like there's some sort of equipment. So there's possibility to do that elsewhere. Outside of just the Pine Barrens. Like the Pine Barrens exist because someone else had found the the answer and had done it and opened up this dimension there. But I think this is proof that the technology could exist. You know what makes me sad, though, is because the way that you described the other dimension and and how it's, it's void of humanity and maybe just creatures. I'm now worried that the Institute of Chaos, they all traveled to the other dimension and though. Instead of like being able to come back and share their device with us, they were just killed by, I don't know, Bigfoot or all the other creatures that are there. And now it's lost to the other dimension and we won't ever get it. And oh, my God, that's how Bigfoot and all those creatures have started to time warp over to our dimension because they killed the Institute of Chaos group and took the egg. They freaking. Oh, my God. Oh, no. The government's going to come for us. Oh, my God. We solved it. (laughs) Sabrina, I'm scared. Can we even post this episode? I honestly feel like you're so right. (laughs) 
They have the egg. That's <gasps> uh, that's gotta be it. Like that's how they. Oh my god. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Oh. Okay. So now you need to seduce Bigfoot and get the egg. My god. I'll put on my best hairy bikini. Get myself out there. <laughs> Oh, God, I was just about to say the worst thing ever. I'm censoring myself. <laughs> I hate when you do that. Hold For my sake. <laughs> There's people, my place of work now knows that I have this <laughs> podcast, so. Uh, I mean, we've talked about the perfect lip shade and about nipples for a full intro of our podcast. It's already out there. Okay, well, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, do you want to braid my nipple hair? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and I was like, don't say that. Don't say that. People tell you not to talk about nipples on the podcast. <laughs> no, let it all out. Free the nip. Free the Free nip. Free the nip talk. My God, I really think you're onto something. And I'm getting real, like, Stranger Things upside down vibes from this. Of, like, everybody coming in and trying to solve. But they can't solve the problem backwards because they have no idea how it started. Yeah. Okay, so fine. We are going to move to Ong's hat. No! And <laughs> and experiment in the way that the Institute of Chaos did. I'm not ready. There's, I'm not ready either. Uh, also, I'm terrified of the Pine Barrens. Like, yeah. what if we accidentally see the mob, to, like, dump a body and then we get killed? I like how you say you're not ready to do the Pine Barrens to, like, go and potentially move into a different dimension. But... And yet you're ready to jump on a spaceship to Mars. Well, no, it's more just pine the Pine Barrens itself that scares me. That's like, true. Like, I'd be ready to dump, jump into a different dimension if it were, like, I don't know, in my bathroom. Or even, like, I don't know, at the Taco Bell down the street. I guess, okay. I guess that makes sense. But also, I don't know. I really would have to have a lot of other people do it first. I would never be the first person to do it. Like, it's the same thing when you and I go somewhere haunted. You're the first, you're leading us around. And I'm standing behind waiting to see what happens to you. <laughs> and then I go forward. You're brave and I'm not. I think that's what it goes down to. Okay. Well, today we were talking in a group text and Allie nominated you and I to go on Survivor. And she thought you would do really well on it. So, Well, that's really nice. She did text me and, and said, would you go on Survivor? And I was like, that's way too much censorship for uh, CBS because I would just pretty much go nude. The whole time. Do so you like, want to be this is naked useless. and afraid? Why am I wearing this bandana when I could just use it for something <laughs> <Good> else? <laughs> so you'll do better on naked and afraid. But I don't. I don't want to do that. And what's the one like the coupled one where they like are all naked and they like it's like a relationship one? No, I think you're thinking of naked and afraid. There's two people, two strangers that are like dropped and they find each other at the meetup point and then they have to work together to. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. I've never seen it. I've just heard of it conceptually. So. Oh, I think I'm thinking of Alone, which is the one where it's survival, but they're not naked. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not interested in that. I would want to do like the group thing. I want the games. I want the torches, but I don't want the bugs. And then I also, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I'd be, I couldn't eat anything weird. I wouldn't do any of that stuff, but I do think I'd be pretty good at hanging on to a pole for a long time. I think that's my, I think that's my game. Yeah, the food challenges are where I would turn away and be like, I'd rather go home. Thank you. We used to go camping when we were, younger there was a group of like five or six families and we would go every year to lake elmore in vermont we would play survivor every single year and it was like the same kid was always the host and then the rest of us would like be divvied up and one of the challenges we did was we had to we had to balance on the curb and whoever like balanced the longest was obviously the winner of that challenge and then we'd like make actual like tree forts like huts and stuff in the woods we would be like, who oh, can make the my best gosh. looking, the like most appetizing version of like a berry stew? It was no way. So actually, you know, Allie, what Allie didn't know when she nominated me for this is that 
I've been training for years. <laughs> okay, have I told you about how my sixth birthday and my sister's eighth birthday we did a survivor themed birthday party and it was her friends versus my friends my parents like did a full out challenges obstacle course in our backyard we camped in our backyard we did a food challenge that's literally the most fun concept ever it was so cute was it how old were you guys six and eight did it go over well like emotionally were people crying it did i did throw up because i had to eat raw mushrooms (laughs) okay that's a good that's a good little challenge. Actually, I feel like raw mushrooms are sometimes hard on your digestive system. I think I've thrown up from that before too as an adult. Well, I think also I just don't like raw mushrooms. I love cooked mushrooms. Mm. Love cooked mushrooms. Raw ones freak me out. This is really fun. I feel like I feel like we need to bring this back. Like for your 30th birthday, why don't you do that? <laughs> Honestly, Survivor theme. that's freaking fun. Yes. Okay, let's do it. I'm so down. Okay. I will fly out. Great. I'm coming back. <laughs> and I'm I'm just I show up naked. And I'm like, wait, I thought it was naked and afraid themed. <laughs> You're the one who came up with the idea and then you misinterpreted your own idea. <laughs> Everyone's like, good God, where's their bandanas over their eyes? Oh my gosh. What do you have? Okay. Well, similar to you, where you went to your home state, I basically went to my home state. Because if you guys don't know, the Simpsons cartoon when they had the Simpsons movie. They had this big, I guess, like, I don't know if it was like a petition. I don't know what happened, but essentially they were trying to decide between all of the Springfields that exist in the United States to figure out where the premiere of the Simpsons movie was going to be because the characters from the Simpsons live in Springfield and they settled on Springfield, Vermont. So the Simpsons are from Springfield, Vermont. And why I bring up the Simpsons is because not only last year did it have its 700th episode, which is a wild absurd uh but also the creator matt groaning is uh suspected to be a time traveler i believe it i've heard a few little stories about this and i believe it me too like i'm gonna list a crap ton of examples to you and it's it's undeniable anyway okay so if you're like what the heck is the simpsons If you do not watch American television, it is an American animated sitcom. The first episode aired on October 30th, 1994. It's currently on its 32nd season. It's giving us this lovely satirical depiction of an American family. It has the main characters, Homer, Marge, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie. And they live in Springfield, which is for a long time an unknown location until after the movie they decided it was Springfield, Vermont. And Corinne and I got a beer at the local bar there because when we were in Orlando, Florida, we stopped for a cold one in Simpsons land. Yeah. And actually, this is here is a bit of trivia for (laughs) you. So in The Simpsons, a regular drinking spot for the characters is Moe's Tavern, which is run by the bar owner Moe. And that's where we went and like drank at that bar at Universal. But Moe's Tavern from The Simpsons is actually based on the local bar, our college bar, our Loyola Marymount University College Mm -hmm. Towns bar, which is called Moe's. And we went there. We frequented it. And the owner- We've met the owner. His name is Moe. And he looks a lot like the Simpsons character (laughs) Moe. So it's all based- Because the creators of The Simpsons went to LMU. I don't know if- I know Matt didn't. They did. Wait, no, they for sure did because they're hung up in the- Maybe Matt didn't, but one of the creators for sure did because his photos hung up in the LMU hall. Oh, there's probably a big connection. And also LMU has, I, there's like, like what's it? The uh, What's that? Johnny, whatever, that cartoon with the really big hair 
big blonde hair, the sunglasses, Johnny something. I I don't know. This is another thing that you have in your head that I don't have. This is, I'm going to tell you, Johnny cartoon. Oh, Johnny oh, Bravo. the executive producer. The executive producer was there. I was just going to say Johnny Bravo, the creator went to LMU of that. He came up with oh. it like at LMU. It was one of his school projects. Anyway, lots of television and, and great film coming out of yeah. LMU. But the real life Mo gave my mom back massage and they have really cheap, great margaritas. So What? Your mom <laughs> freaking amazes me. Flirts with everyone. <laughs> she just she just really gets the best out of life. <laughs> she really does. She goes. That is that is a true fact. Wow. Okay. Well, so the creator, Matt Groening of The Simpsons, and I'm probably saying his last name incorrectly. I watched a bunch of videos, but it phonetically looks like Groening. So that's what I'm going to say. But he was born in Mm -hmm. Portland, Oregon, and he worked as a cartoonist. He moved down to L.A. to further his career, and he created The Simpsons and many other successful shows. But he's been nominated for 41 Emmys, and he's won 13 times. So this guy's huge success. Success. And the backstory of The Simpsons character, Mo, from the our college town's bar uh is that mm-hmm. mo when he was young and this is the backstory in the simpsons not of the actual guy <laughs> uh mo from the simpsons when he was young he wrote a comic for a comic book company about jfk traveling back in time to save abe lincoln from assassination and the company was like eh, we don't really like this no thanks and then mo goes on to try to sell other comics and he did end up selling one about alien invasion to a magazine publisher, but things went south. And that eventually is what led him to start his business, the bar Moe's Tavern in The Simpsons. Mm. But why Why this backstory? Why am I telling you this? Well, I think that it's a great segue into time travel and aliens and that it's just a little Easter egg, another little clue dropped by the creator, Matt, to basically mock us and laugh in our faces <laughs> that he truly is a time traveler and knows way more than we do. Because he's he's basically making Moe's backstory seem a lot, I think, maybe like his own backstory. Mm. So why do people think and why do we think that Matt is a time traveler? Well, because in his show, The Simpsons, he has predicted the future numerous times. And I don't mean just like, you know, two, three, four times, which maybe, you know, after 20 years, maybe there's a few times that you get right and it's just coincidence. It's right. over 25 Wow. Over 25 times. And so I'm going to list quite a few. And I'm not listing the whole thing because after the 26th bullet point, I was just like, you know what? This is a lot. And I don't want to say all (laughs) of these words, but you can look it up. It's wild. And honestly, if you look it up, it's even more delightful than what I'm going to explain to you now, because the visuals of what is showing in The Simpsons, like drawn in cartoon version to what actually later on happens in life is so it's like mirror image it looks like the event had already happened and that they were just drawing over it because it's just so spot on so i'm going to go through quite a few examples now and convince anyone anyone who's never heard this before because i feel like anyone who has heard is like yeah that's so right yeah and some of them i will preface and say that it's very possible that it some of these are coincidental but then there are others that are just like that's too on the nose okay so season two episode four Bart catches a three-eyed fish behind a power plant, making headlines in Springfield. And then if we fast forward in real life, 15 years later, there is a three-eyed fish found in Argentina that had developed its third eye from a nuclear power plant exposure. (gasps) So then season two, episode nine, 
1990 episode. So this is back in 1990. It shows the people of Springfield protesting against Michelangelo's statue of David being shown at their local museum because he's naked. And that's, they can't see his, they don't want to see his genitalia. And then fast forward 26 years, and we're now in 2016. And in real life in St. Petersburg, Russia, people are arguing and protesting that their copy of the statue of David be censored and that his genitals be covered up, which that might just be, you know, like that could be a coincidence, like a little funny thing. But there are just too many. And I'm going to keep going on. That was bullet point two. And I've got 26 to tell you. I love this. This is my favorite. Okay. Season two, episode 18. The episode shows the Beatles Ringo Starr answering fan mail that had been written to the Beatles decades ago, which is like an odd detail. And then in 2013, in real life, Paul McCartney responds to fan mail from over 50 years ago, decades ago, random season three. Which that one could be inspired by. There are a couple like there's there's a couple that I left out. Like there was one where there was some some tomato plant fusion and that inspired other people to like actually make this hybrid version of this fruit. And it got the attention of the creators and they like tried it and all this stuff. There's been a few things that the the Simpsons has inspired to happen. So maybe it's totally possible that that happened or or maybe i mean it kind of sounds like something paul paul mccartney would do just randomly be like oh i'll respond now like yes whatever yes okay season three episode 14 lisa predicts the super bowl and so for fun because the show predicted that the next year and the few years after that the staff writers for the simpsons go back to that episode and they dub over new predictions and are correct (gasps) for the next three super bowls Whoa. So I hope they had brackets because that's some good money. Yeah. Okay. Season four, episode 21, a flu takes over Springfield. People begin to riot. They demand a cure for this virus. And then a swarm of killer bees is unleashed, which sounds a lot. And this got a lot of attention last year. This episode did because it sounds a lot like coronavirus and the murder hornets of 2020. Yeah. I mean, I almost forgot about the murder hornets. Yes. So much has happened in the past year that that we were in the middle of a pandemic and like social justice and racism and all this crazy stuff happened. And then everybody was like, oh, and, murder also hornets. Hornets. and also the aliens are real. But shh, it's OK. Focus on everything else. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, what? We can't handle anything else. OK. In the same episode that depicts or shows the the killer bees and and the the virus, um, it also shows the mayor giving a press conference announcing that the pandemic is very much still in Springfield and that he very much did not escape to the Bahamas. And then it like pans out and he's broadcasting from the beach and he just has like a suit from the top up and a swim swim shorts on the bottom, which everyone oh. started relating to Ted Cruz's Cancun trip from this past year. Wow. Season five, episode 10, Siegfried and Roy are attacked by a white tiger while performing. And then 10 years later, Roy is actually attacked by one of the white tigers while performing. Whoa. Season five, episode 19, the lunch lady is using horse parts to make lunch for the elementary school students. And then nine years later in Ireland, the Food Safety Authority of Ireland found that pretty much that was true in beef burgers in supermarkets. There was a majority of horse meat and pig meat, so not cow meat. (gasps) That's so gross. Yes. And then season six, episode eight. This is 19. We're only in 1994 right now. This is from so long ago. 1994, 
there's an episode that shows school bullies and they have a device and it's called the Newton, which is like one of the like OG Apple products. And they write, mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to text each other to go beat up Martin. So it, they type beat up Martin and the device autocorrects to eat up Martha. So they basically predicted autocorrect, which some people were like, oh. no, they were just like teasing Apple about like their poor keyboard or whatever. But others are like, it's a total prediction of of autocorrect. And then that's cool. One year later, same season, season six. We're in season six for a little bit. Episode 19, they use a watch as a phone, a smartwatch. And then Apple Watch is released 20 years later. So season six has a lot of nods to Apple. So that's quite wow. interesting. It's so funny. I love the idea that Matt is a time traveler and he has all this knowledge, but like somewhere along the line, he signed an NDA or some clause that was like, you can't tell anyone what you know is going to happen to them. So he found a loophole and created a television show that became a massive success. And then that's how he tells people what's going to happen without breaking the rules. And it's just like, it's up to them if they see it and watch it. It's fiction. And you know what's even worse is that not only are people finding all of this, all of these connections in The Simpsons, but as if we didn't already know that Matt was hiding something, he goes on after The Simpsons to create another show called Futurama about <laughs> the future. <laughs> so, now he's he's getting a little less subtle. He's getting a lot less subtle, but I still believe um, okay, well, same episode as the the smartwatch. Lisa goes on a trip to London and in, they show this landscape shot of the Tower Bridge and there's a skyscraper in the back that did not exist at the time. So it just was like this made up building in this cartoon. But then 14 years later, the Shard building is constructed in that same exact spot and looks very similar. That's bizarre. Very bizarre. And then again, same episode, Lisa discovers that the librarians have been taken over by robots. And then fast forward 20 years later, and there are actual librarian robot prototypes being tested in multiple countries. And then again- Okay, bear with me. Yes. This could be proof that the that the Illuminati does exist and that he is perhaps part of the Illuminati and he's working with the government- to create his own version of the world. You just blew my mind. <laughs> oh, wow. This is a lot to think about. Because because there is already proof that there have been things that have been inspired by... Well, it's hard. It's hard to say that because there are some bad predictions, too. Yes. Like, there were... There was... I didn't write it down, but obviously now I'm going to tell you. Because there's a million beyond what I'm just going to say in this episode. But... um. <laughs> There was one where they had shown a magazine of the Twin Towers, and then it had said 9-11 on the cover. And so everyone no. was like, oh, <gasps> my God, they predicted 9-11. So there's, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So there's some stuff that you're like, if you had the choice to create a world, there's no way in hell you would choose that to happen. No, no, no. But when it comes to technology, it is more fun to be like, or like buildings being built. It does yeah. Seem like, oh, whatever. They're just the mastermind. They're architects creating the blue. Yes, the they're the architects. This is their blueprint. And they're doing it through cartoon of of this, you know, <laughs> low IQ man, Homer Simpson. And we're all just watching being like, ha 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 ha. So funny. Oh, my God. Innocent. But OK, so this same episode. So we've got the Apple Watch. We've got autocorrect. We've got the the shard building appearing before it existed. We've got librarian robots. Um Lisa it starts video chatting with Marge, so also showing FaceTime. So it was like basically every Apple product 
in one episode. Wow. Yes. Pretty wild. And how many years before? Wait, what year was that? 94? So Apple existed as a company at that time, but they had very, no, very know, basic like, like prototypes. But yes, this is this is 1995. So like far before any of that. Yeah. Actually, sorry. I, I misspoke. The, the autocorrect was in an episode a year before that, but both episodes okay. were 1994 and 1995. Great. Okay. And so now let's Let's speed on past season six. We're going to go to season eight now. And in episode one, Homer becomes an inventor and he writes an equation on the chalkboard. And the equation was proved in 2013 by scientists to be the mass of Higgs boson particle, also known as the God particle. So whether I think that so the so it existed beforehand or it was like created. So th- yeah, this is what I'm going to say. I think this one's used a lot to be like, oh, my God, they created this whole formula it's and and then it ended up being a real thing the formula had existed i believe it had been oh, circulating okay. since the 60s but like not really talked about and hadn't been proved yet so i think it was just this like really obscure unproved equation but gotcha. on the flip side people are like well why choose this one random equation out of all of the ones in the universe that are not proved and then this one becomes like true essentially right right like it it was supposed to be like people are thinking it's like it was a clue it was a hint that like yes you're onto something here (laughs) um okay easter eggs easter so many easter eggs and so then in season nine episode three marge tells bart to go read a book while he's sick and hands him one about ebola and then 17 years later the ebola outbreak was widespread in the news and then season 10 episode five homer's pitching a script to 20th century fox And he rolls up to the studio and there's a sign that says a division of Walt Disney Company. And then 19 years later, Disney purchases 21st Century Fox. Whoa. And then in season... That's a weird one. That one is weird. And they did... They also predicted... It was like CBS, CNN, and ABC to converge. That's one of the future ones that like hasn't come true yet, but we'll see in the future. Oh, interesting. Um, Season 10, episode 6... The Simpsons show a virtual gardening and yard work game, essentially predicting Farmville. And then in another episode, <laughs> they are giving out shirts that say Guitar Hero on them. Before Guitar Hero? Before Guitar Hero. Yes. There's a lot that's like, if you think about it, like it could, you could just come up with that name. Like it's not super, super obscure. So there's a lot that's like, is it? Is it not? Um hmm. But then here's one that makes me think like... But it's so fun to think it is. And and here's my one that's like, this is proof that it's not just like, oh, I guess that could just have happened. That's just coincidence. Because in season 11, episode 17, Bart has a vision of the future. And in this vision, Lisa, his sister, is now president. And she inherits this very tight budget from her predecessor, Donald Trump. And this is 16 <gasps> years before Donald Trump became president and i don't think anyone was thinking that a celebrity would ever be president at that time Ugh. and then the outfit that yeah lisa, okay now i prefer the theory that is uh he's not creating the future he's just saying what he's already seen and yes and what beyond just like the wild prediction because there were interviews done and people like asked obviously like the anyone involved in in writing the simpsons and creating it like are you predicting the future? And there was an interview done and people essentially like some of the staff was like, no, we were just thinking of like the wildest scenario and what like, like maybe feasibly could have happened, but was so ridiculous. And what would have happened to get Lisa in this position? Because they are like the, 
Matt does support a lot of Democratic parties and and is a big contributor to mm-hmm. many candidates. So it was kind of like him being like, okay, if the if the U.S. is is basically like super poor, who do I think would be the the person to create that? And so that was right. like supposedly the thought behind it. However, in the scene where Lisa is is president. The outfit that she's wearing is the exact outfit that Kamala Harris wears <gasps> when she's sworn in. No. And then what's even more freaky deaky is that in this episode, they show Trump going down an escalator, waving at supporters and then giving a thumbs up. And in real life, this is so weird. This is like you everyone stop and go look at pictures like Google this. I need to do this. Later on, 16 some years later, in real life. That actually happens. It's like the same angle the photograph is taken, same escalator, same outfit, same pose. He's waving and then he gives a thumbs up. The it's, Kamala outfit almost like gets me more because that's like so specific. It's so specific. And it's also like a female, a female president and then a female vice president. Like Lisa's the female president. Yeah. And then it shows the exact outfit that our first female vice president will be wearing. Through Lisa. Wow. And then in that same episode, Trump is also speaking at a podium and it has the same background, same color, same outfit, like sign is designed the same, like the whole thing. And then in a later episode, there's an electoral map shown that basically predicted some of the, the changes like Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania turning blue, Virginia turning red, like some of these, like the electoral maps were not, were not perfect, but had a lot of those kind of like, uh, Oh, changes that actually happened. Whoa. So that's the one where I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that there, <laughs> there's not time travel involved. Did you look up the pictures? I'm looking it up right now. Do I'm going to wait for you because I want I want you to to look at these. The side by sides do like side by side Simpsons Trump. And I think it will probably okay. come up. <gasps> which which photo are you looking at? The elevator one. Isn't that like. And if you watch the video, it's the wave is the same. And then the thumbs up right after. It's like the wave, the hand goes down, the escalator goes a little bit, and then the thumbs up. Wow. And this is a long article. Oh, oh. just go to Google Image. I know, but I, I want to see all of them. I don't want to just see one. <laughs> okay. I'm doing the outfit now. <gasps> the purple outfit. The purple outfit with the with the necklace. like The, the exact necklace, too. Pearl, like necklace, yes. And earrings, <gasps> like the colors, everything. It's just, wow. I mean, like, I don't know. That's I just amazing. feel like there was too much that was exactly right in that one episode. It's not like it was yeah. spread out across 30 episodes. Like it's there was one episode. too much right in one episode. Wow. So pretty wild. And then the list goes on. So I'll tell you a few more. The so season 20, episode four. This is, we're now in 2008. There is an episode that shows Homer trying to vote for Barack Obama, but there are faulty voting machines. And four years later, in real life, in Pennsylvania, there are faulty voting machines turning votes for Obama into votes for Mitt Romney. Season 21, episode 12, Marge and Homer are competing in the Olympics. They're curling together, and they're a bit (laughs) behind, and they're playing against Sweden. But they end up turning it around. They beat the Swedes, and they win gold for the United States. Very random. But eight years later, that's exactly no. how it played out. Obviously, <gasps> minus Marge and Homer. We had right. <laughs> real life Olympians. And then season 22, Whoa. episode one, The Simpsons, their family is betting on who will win the Nobel Prize. An MIT professor, and I'm going to butcher his name, Bengt Holmstrom's. He is named 
or, or his name is circled on Homer's ballot. And then six years later, he actually does win the Nobel Prize. Wow. Season 23, episode 10. Homer is on the news and a ticker is running across the bottom of the screen and it reads, Europe puts Greece on eBay. And then three years later, Greece is in economic crisis and defaults to the International Monetary Fund. Season 23, episode 22, Lady Gaga performs at the halftime show and she's shown flying over the stadium. Uh, and it looks very similar to Lady Gaga's actual halftime show. This is another oh. one where you like got to look up the side by side where she's suspended in the air flying around. And this is like five years before her Super Bowl performance. And then there's another wow. sports one. Uh, episode 16, season 25, where a football federation rep asks Homer for help and he's arrested. And then the scene is actually like quite similar and has a lot of similar details to the real life arrests of FIFA officials who were arrested on corruption charges one year after that. Oh my gosh. So it's like politics and just like weird news and sports, like pop culture. Like they just... They just get yeah. it. Just like really random things. Technological advances. And like so weird to the point where like, okay, season 29, episode one, there's a Game of Thrones spoof. And in this episode, Homer, he revives a dragon and the dragon goes down and just obliterates an entire village. And spoiler, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, but that's yeah. what Daenerys' dragon does, which is like a huge Whoa. shocker in the show. Yeah. And then in the Simpsons movie... The NSA locates Marge and the kids when they're off. They're like in hiding. Something big happens and they're they're trying to like escape and they're in hiding. But the NSA finds them because they tapped into their phone calls and have been listening to their phone calls. And at the time in America, people did not think that the government was reading our emails and listening to our phone calls. We were like, why would they do that? They have they better things to do. Turns out they don't, and they very much were <laughs> surveilling all of us, and probably still are. But six years after it. this, The Simpsons movie, the NSA gets in trouble for doing just that. Wow. And there are literally so many more. I just, like, can't list them all out. But, like, there are things from, like I said, like, 9-11 to, like, weird things like stealing lard from restaurants and reselling it or what or like suing an all-you-can-eat restaurant like just really bizarre little scenarios that that did actually happen so there's a ton of other events in the simpsons that are uh predicted i think i have like a distant relation to someone who not relation but like like i know someone who knows someone who works on the simpsons okay well so i might have to do some digging because i just want to know one thousand percent like even if it's not even if Matt is not a time traveler. I mean, I just feel like these are our people in that room. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming up with like random conspiracies all the time that like Constantly. they at the time don't feel like are actually or like they're like, I think this is real. Let's put it into the show. And then like years later, it becomes real. And then it then there's the argument of like, because there was such intense group think and everyone else was watching the show and it was basically like public facing was was this mm. a way of a massive manifestation? Did we unintentionally Ooh. or did they unintentionally like make things happen because Created. their whole room and their network <laughs> believed in it? And then all of the viewers were like, yeah, Ugh. it's interesting. I mean, granted, some of them are very Easter eggy. So, yeah, I don't know. But The Simpsons. So they say that there is no time travel involved, <laughs> which sounds exactly like what someone would say who's a time traveler. Yeah, they, they have to say that. They have to say it or else they'll be in danger. 
But uh, yeah, so they basically say like it's all a coincidence. They say that they go off pop culture trends and and sometimes they make choices that are a little bit more extreme for humor's sake. And those choices stand out. So people are remembering them and they're making connections Mm. when something happens in the future. They're, you know, we're finding patterns. It's human nature in our brain and it's the way we're wired. And then also The Simpsons, the writers and, and creator Matt Groening say history repeats itself. And so Sometimes they're making choices that actually allude to something that's happened in the past. But then 20 years later, after the episode comes out and it happens again, it looks like it's Mm. a prediction, even though it might have been a nod to something that happened 50 years ago. So rather than a prediction, it's just a repetition of past historical events. The purple suit. That one just like keeps getting to me. Because that is like Lisa, such a specific decision. Yeah. In yes. Kamala Harris's outfit. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's just so, yes, there's just so much. And like, just the side, even like the Lady Gaga side by side for the Super Bowl. Yeah. I just really can't get over the escalator scene though. Cause that was, that was, that was not even like an Easter egg. Like, oh, I'm going to put something in and like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't like make you think, yeah. but have no proof. That feels like, that feels like he just shot himself in the foot. That feels like he, he threw up his flag and said, pick me, it's me, you caught me. Does it yeah. not? Like, that's... I mean, it's just so specific that, I mean, all of these ones that are that specific. I mean, like, the, um, what was the other one that really stuck out to me? The horse meat. The horse meat. Like, I know. There's no way that that, like, a company was like, oh, that's a great idea, actually, after watching The Simpsons. Like, I bet they were doing it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, Like, exactly. one guy's at home with his family watching The Simpsons, and he sees that, and he goes, oh! I know how to save our company millions the I'm next day. I'm going to infiltrate all of the food in Ireland with horse meat. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot that's just like, God, I don't know. It's it's a lot. But anyway, so, so time travel and theories aside, I do want to leave you with a couple more predictions. What people have picked out that they think are possible future predictions from The Simpsons yet to be true, but we can all look out for them. This is our fun game along okay. with trivia. Um Okay, so here's just a few. There are many, but I'm going to list way less than I just listened to you before. Hover okay. cars, which I think we're, we're on the brink of because there have already been some prototypes. Mind mm-hmm. control through music, which is quite interesting. And I would but like- But that's been a conspiracy for a very long time. Yes, yeah, so with the CIA. And then if you want to listen to the uh, podcast, Wind of Change, they talk about just like the power of music with, with a infiltrating, I guess- different countries and changing mindsets um Mm, here's mm -hmm. one for you which is on the on the horizon for us the colonization of mars um (gasps) sign me up this one's very this reminds me very much like harry potter-esque hologram mail which is so fun hologram star wars and star wars yes pretty much every like future facing show or magical show uh there's also a prediction of a foreign-born U.S. president, which if you don't know about U.S. politics, currently you have to be a natural-born citizen to run for mm-hmm. presidency. So there's the prediction of a foreign-born U.S. president. And if we go exactly off of what the Simpsons episode shows, that person will be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. he's He was already California governor. so Yeah, he's in politics. It's not a huge leap. Um, and then lastly, the prediction... That the discovery of Bigfoot will happen. <gasps> Corinne, it's going to be you. <laughs> Did they say who discovers Bigfoot? So in the episode, basically, they're like camping 
and Homer falls down and he's like in a bunch of mud and then he gets taken in custody and like looked at because they think that he's Bigfoot, essentially, <laughs> like <laughs> being rude about it. But then the episode cuts to Bart, his son, getting off of a train and Bigfoot is walking in front of him getting off of the train. Well, you know he was getting off the train to visit you. And on, it's Springfield, Vermont, baby. So I don't know. You've got to move there then. I mean, I wonder where Springfield, Vermont is. Like, let me let me look. Like, the next time I go to my parents' house, can I just can I just zip over there really quick? We'll see how far off the highway this is. Yeah, tell me. Okay, so not quite on the way, but not out of the way. I could, okay. I could go there. I totally could. And maybe one day I will. In the summer. I will go because Vermont is just like so beautiful. So, well, if anyone else is from Springfield and has any fun Simpsons trivia for us, let us know. Just wait outside the train station for Bigfoot to get off. Seriously. Maybe that's another clue. Maybe they made outside of the movie, they made it for the movie premiere be Springfield, Vermont to show us that something really big is going to happen in Springfield, Vermont. I wonder if there's like any information of like what train it is in the episode. Like if there's any like they can pause the screen and see I don't it. Oh, I'll have to. I'll have to either watch the episode or Google, and then maybe there'll be. Wow, this is so fun. I mean, this is also a conspiracy a little bit. I mean, this is your favorite combination of things. True. I mean, yours was a bit conspiracy as well. I think yes. anytime it's. I mean, I feel like ghosts. When we talk about hauntings, it doesn't feel conspiracy theory because. You and I have so many experiences that we like know it to be true. And these stories feel very grounded in reality. But then when it comes to time travel, because you and I have not time traveled and there's no like, it's not like, you know, 30% of the population's like, I've time traveled or experienced something time travel-esque. Mm-hmm. It does feel more conspiracy theory because we have so much less information to go off of. And now I'm just like thinking about time travel. Me too. And we've had, okay, so we have like maybe 30, 40 emails in our inbox that that either were about glitches and like time warps or alluded to them. But now here's our call. Does anyone think, well, I guess the glitch is like they accidentally time traveled. Yeah. Okay, but has anyone actually time traveled? Are you like Matt and and you're doing it all the time? And even if you can't tell everyone else, just please just tell us. Yeah, you can make some weird email and then email us. But don't prank us because we'll believe you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Actually, never mind. I don't want to know. I feel like I'm going to be bullied. (laughs) I'm back in middle school again. Okay. This is an email from Alyssa and it's called Missing Class Because of a Time Slip. Comma glitch in the matrix question mark. And when you first click on the email, it's just the cutest photos of her dog. Take a oh look. Oh my goodness. Precious. Oh, and wearing a little green, yeah, cable knit sweater. Oh. I appreciated it because I feel like oftentimes our listeners will send like a terrifying email and then conclude with a cute picture of pets, which I really I love that too. But this was a nice change of like open an email and right away you're struck by cute also pet. this is the tiniest little teddy bear of a of a dog he's white i know and his so name is moose <laughs> oh cute okay so Alyssa wrote hi corinne and sabrina i'm a huge fan of your podcast i binge it on my commute from santa cruz to san jose at my house and basically everywhere i'm almost caught up which is a bummer because i don't know what i'll do without your voices to cheer me up maybe i'll have to re-listen to the whole thing Anyway, I haven't had any notable ghostly encounters, but I do want to share a time slip story with you. The other day, I went to bed and set my alarms like usual for the morning. I double-checked that it was 8 a.m. so I don't miss my 9 a.m. class. 
I end up going through my normal morning routine, showering, hair drying, clothes, you get the picture. And while I was getting ready, I sent a text to my friend. And then I see it's 8.50, and so I decide to walk to class. Luckily, I live close. I get to class, and I walk in and think it's weird that the lecture has already started since it's just about to be 9 9 a.m. But then I glance up at the clock and see that it is 10 a.m., not 9 a.m. And I find this strange because I didn't go back to sleep, and I'm sure I left my apartment at 8.50, and I glance at my phone and see that the timestamp of the text I sent was at 8.15, so I knew that I was up and about at that time. I even sat in class and Googled if a time change had occurred and I forgot about it, but nope. Anyways, the 15 minutes of the lecture I did make was great. I'm not sure how this happened, or maybe it could be attributed to the lack of sleep from listening to your podcast mixed with late college nights, but I don't think so. There was something off about that morning and the part of the class that I did make. Thank you for your podcast. I love listening to it, even though I get scared at night. Give my love to Leia. I don't have a cat right now, but I'm a cat person. But enjoy a picture of my boyfriend Kiefer's dog, Moose. Please come do a live show in the Santa Cruz area. Thanks for reading my email. See you on the other side. Although I'd prefer in person, Alyssa. Wow, that's really weird. Because it's it would be one thing, like if, if Alyssa was getting ready for something that she didn't normally get ready for, and it wasn't like the normal time of waking up with her alarm, I'd be like, okay, maybe mm-hmm. she just didn't account for how much time it would take her to get ready or do this or do that and kind of lost track of time. But this was her regular morning routine. This is the same steps that she always went through. And yet yeah. another hour yeah. was added. Well, this is the exact, I mean, this is a combination of the stories we were talking about in the beginning. It's like the driving and time disappears and the text messages that like aren't there. But like she has a text message to prove that it was 815. Mm-hmm. And then either somewhere between 850 and 10 a.m., she went somewhere else or time disappeared. So she right. slipped into another dimension or I don't know. I'm I don't know what sticky. happened. Maybe she was abducted by aliens. That's It got sticky. It got sticky. That's the thing, though. Like, oh, you know what really freaks me out right now is that I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning for her time got really sticky. And so she basically... She kept going at the speed she thought she was, but a huge chunk of time passed, which obviously sounds like that was Alyssa's perspective. But what if someone, what if you were walking by someone's house and like glanced in the windows who that was happening to and they're just still like a mannequin? (gasps) Like they froze? Yes. Or they're like very slowly moving animatronically. I, the even scarier version of that is like on the street. Like uh, on campus college, like it took her a full hour to actually get to the oh god because her body was like moving through molasses. Oh god, yeah, that's so creepy. And then, I mean, and if I saw that happen, I'm trying to think back, like LMU's campus, if I saw someone moving really slow, I would just think they were just doing their own thing. They're just they're in the zone, a little hungover, a little hungover. Maybe it's their form of meditation. <laughs> Maybe they're practicing for. We had theater. Theater and dance, there's odd That's assignments true. often. I would never think... People were fighting with swords on the on the lawn. That was me. I was in stage combat. You, you were one of those sword fighters. That was me. I had the sword. I was wielding it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So maybe there were witnesses, but no one thought anything different about it. If you saw someone, like if someone weird. who knew her, I don't know. This is all just so weird. And it's like, when did that time go? Like, when was it? When exactly in her routine was it that an hour slipped by? And also, okay, if she wasn't moving slowly like that, 
where do, where did she go for that hour? That's the question that's really scary because yeah. I'd almost prefer the like slow motion thing because then it's like maybe she got stuck in a weird thing. But still for like, her to like almost disappear for an hour is that's scary. I know. This is reminding me so much of that listener story we read. Honestly, I think at this point it was probably like a year or two ago of that person who was working in the movie theater. Remember? And like an hour or two passed by and then she became like conscious again. And her manager said that she'd been acting really bizarrely and doing really weird things. Remember? She was like kind of oh, yeah. coming and going from. I do remember that. That was a long time ago. Whoa. Uh, so maybe, okay, so like, maybe we do have memory of our podcast. Just, it's triggered memory. It's not just existing there. Yeah. It's not ready to be pulled. It's deep within. And That's then something true. else reminds us of another, another thing. And then suddenly we remember. Yeah. But man. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe it was some possession type thing. Something took her over. What? Oh, Leia's so hungry. Oh, good thing I'm done talking. Come here. Okay. I have an email from Annabelle. And she emailed us a couple times. And Annabelle, I apologize that I'm not going to read your first email, but I am going to read the second one. Though, Sabrina, I'm going to tell you to look at the first email because she attaches, she said, a photo of her familiar Ming, which is a precious little kitty. Oh, tucked into the covers. Tucked into the covers. See, we both have comforting animals for, the, for our episode emails this week. Wow, my brain is cute. Words are evading me. Okay. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina and Nick and Leia. I hope y'all <gasps> are mentions. doing. Yeah, tell Nick. He's going to be stoked. I hope <laughs> y'all are doing well and staying healthy during this time of social distancing. My father and I are huge fans of yours and we love listening, especially right now. And when my dad was in college, he had his fair share of paranormal experiences that I wanted to share with you. Both of these stories date back to, ni- to the 1980s. The first happened to me and two of my friends in the spring of 1982 when I was a junior at a small liberal arts college in central Iowa. There was an old bowling alley in the town where the college was located, and one Friday afternoon, my friends and I decided to give it a try. This place was pretty small, just eight or ten lanes, and everything in there seemed old-fashioned, from the decor to the bowling balls to the shoes to the signs on the walls. What really caught our attention, though, was how cheap the prices were. Something like 25 cents a game plus shoe rental for 10 cents, which in 1982 was about 10th of what it, of what these things would normally cost. The employee was this middle-aged guy who didn't really say much and there weren't any other customers, but we were happy to have the place to ourselves and had a fine time bowling several games for what seemed a pittance. Walking back to the dorms afterwards, I remembered talking about how we couldn't believe that this place managed to stay in business charging such low prices. Still, we couldn't complain and we looked forward to bowling there again. And so the next weekend, we headed back to the bowling alley expecting to bowl another two or three games for less than a dollar. This time, a teenager was staffing the shoe rental counter and there were some other customers already bowling at a couple of the lanes. We confidently went up to the counter to rent our shoes and were taken aback to see the prices had been raised to a couple bucks a game plus another dollar for the shoe rental. We asked the kid at the counter what was up with the price hike. And he told us that the prices were the same as they always were. And when we told him that we had just bowled there the previous weekend for 25 cents a game, he looked at us like we were crazy and then said he had no idea what we were talking about. Oh, Baffled, we asked him about the middle-aged guy who'd been manning the place on our first visit. And he told us that no one like that worked there. It was all very strange. We went ahead and we bowled a game or two anyway, and we continued bowling there most weekends for the rest of the semester, but we never again encountered the middle-aged employee or the 1950s era pricing. 
The second story is one I heard from a fellow graduate student at the University of Iowa in 1987 about a former roommate of his from the previous year when he was at a different school. The gist of the story was that his former roommate was afflicted by a water poltergeist. It manifested itself primarily by making water condense on the walls and the ceilings of their dorm room in such quantities that it would run down in rivulets over their desks and beds. And this only happened when the roommate was present in the room. There were no plumbing leaks or other obvious sources of water. The building maintenance people couldn't find anything that would cause it. And nothing similar happened in any other rooms on the floor. Although this graduate student liked his former roommate well enough otherwise, he said that eventually he just couldn't take it anymore and he had to get away from him. Oddly, the thing that capped it for him, he said, was when he was sitting across from his roommate at the table in the dining hall one day when he saw tiny water droplets form visibly in the air just behind his roommate's head and shoulders and then spray out all over him down the surface of the table. As I remember it, he was somewhat reluctant to tell the story. He said that he thought people wouldn't believe it, and he became visibly agitated as he told it. I found him convincing. Thank you so much for your wonderful podcasting community. It makes everything brighter getting to listen to you guys. See you on the other side, Annabelle. Oh my gosh. I'm just imagining like out of Frozen when Elsa like creates the like ice castles. I imagine that's like what a water poltergeist is doing. (laughs) And I know that's not what the story is, but that's what I imagined when I first heard water poltergeist. Like it's creating like massive waves. Okay. And then if this story was really, really dark and I'm not saying that this guy's roommate was a murderer, but in the like horror movie version of this, like this guy's being followed by someone that he killed by drowning or something like that. And it's oh, like spraying water on yeah, him. Yeah, that would be a, a probably a decent way for a spirit to get vengeance on their killer too. Would be to like essentially yeah. torment him with the cause of death that he chose to murder them and make it visible to everyone else. So like no one else wanted to become close to him because it was it was <sighs> afflicting everybody. So weird. Or it's like he was once targeted by La Llorona and she's following him. <gasps> he escaped, but never truly. Because now that he's not a kid anymore, she can't get him. But she's tormented. Ah! She's regretful that she couldn't. He's the boy who lived. <laughs> wow. And these are, so So although Annabelle sent these, I, I'm very, I'm certain that these are her dad's stories. So her dad is the one that went oh, oh, oh. to the bowling alley at, with his friends oh, in college oh, and experienced oh, oh. all of this. That's so cool. I, I lo- That reminds me of like the very first story we did about glitches, which is like the Versailles story of like the two women who were walking through like the mm-hmm. uh, the when it was a museum, they were walking through the gardens and then like traveled through time and went back to when it was like the palace. Yes. Yes. Or even I'm reminded of another one that we did really early on of someone walk walking into a diner and like every it was very like old and everyone turned and looked at them and they were super out of place. And mm-hmm. but like the Versailles story, this one is like a long extended period of time spent in the establishment. It's not like you walked in and where it's like, oh, this feels weird and walked out and was like, what just happened? They were bowling. They like played multiple games this evening. Yeah. They Which paid. Makes you they question, used their like, money. How does it work? You know what? Which is like, I mean, OK, because it's like I, I get that it wouldn't change while they're in there because it's almost like they walked into the time warp. And so like they didn't leave it until like they fully left the establishment. But like, how do you walk into it? You know, or why? how does it exist at that certain moment? I don't know. But you know what I just thought about? What? Now I want to Google. I need to look up if there 
has ever been like evidence of or if people have claimed to have money from the future because to pay 10 cents and 25 cents like they were for sure using cash and Mm -hmm. the likelihood in 1980 of them using cash that was created and had been circulated after the time period that they were entering (sighs) in is i think pretty high so they were paying with future money which at the time, maybe maybe people were like, oh, this is a rare misprint of this quarter that says it's from 20 years in the future. Or they just weren't looking that clearly at the date on the quarter. Right. I don't know. There are so many there are so many coin collectors out there, though, that I I would feel like it would be it would have been caught, but maybe not. Oh, you mean like eventually, just not in that moment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like back in sometime in the next like, oh, that's cool. 20 years <gasps> after that, which is still before the actual time that the, this yeah. group was in. Someone discovered Someone has that quarter. money from the future. <gasps> that's really cool. So maybe oh that's gosh. the thing. It's not, if ever you come across money like that, it's not a misprint. It means someone else experienced a glitch in the matrix and unknowingly play, paid with future money. Whoa. A little wrinkle in time. Oh my gosh. We should do a whole um, encounters episode about this because we have so many stories like it. We should put that on the docket. I'm down. Yeah, so here's our call out. Everyone send us your glitch in the matrix. Yeah, call to action. We're going to pull a few and read them. Yeah, time travel, glitch in the matrix, dimensions, anything kind of like weird and glitchy. Please email them to us. Well, and also all your paranormal stories because we love them or aliens or whatever. Email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. You can join our pyramid. Did I say that right? It sounded weird. I think you said, I think I said like, it right. Cam. Gmail.cam. That's my jersey. That's my jersey coming out. <laughs> That's the true reason why I'll never go to the Pine Barrens because my accent will come back. <laughs> Suddenly, you have a, no, I never really have bump one. it in your hair. Just all, <laughs> all of the classic New Jersey. You just like eat bagels left and right. I don't know. I'm being stereotypical. I mean, that sounds nice. That sounds nice. You can join our pyramid scheme, and our pyramid scheme's easy, <laughs> and it's public, and we are very transparent about it. We're requesting, yeah, that. Either you rate and review us on iTunes or you just tell people about the podcast and that you like it and suggest it to others. That's our pyramid scheme. Yeah. We're trying to get popular. Popular. <laughs> um, thank you to our editors, Brooke Foster and Eric Foster, for editing our podcast. We are so grateful for you. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.